Hey, everybody. Welcome to Pivot and Thrive. This is your host, Kim Shea. I'm a certified retirement counselor. Today is October 16th, 2020, and this is episode eight of season one. And today I have the privilege of interviewing my mother, Chris Shea. She's a writer. She's an artist. She has written many books, has many greeting cards out there circulating around the world, and she's really an amazing person, and I've known her a long time, all my life, in fact. So <laughs> welcome, Chris Shea. Thank you very much for having me, Kim. You're welcome. You're an inspiration and to me, and let's get you to be meeting some other people as well so they can see how amazing you are. Great. Okay. Um, so you have lots of books and greeting cards and you have your own company called Life Size Cards and we'll give that information on the show notes so people can find that later but tell us about your background. Well, my background is that I was a stay-at-home mother to three wonderful children, speaking to my eldest now. And when I got a divorce, I just got, I realized I needed to have a, a job or a career and never having worked outside the home one thing I knew I could do was draw a little bit and write because I have a lot of, I have a lot of confidence in my writing skills, much more than my art skills. So I decided to start a little greeting card company. And initially I named it Sparky and company and the logo was a little dinosaur. And um, I had, I had borrowed some money and I printed eight cards and thought this is going to be great. And then it occurred to me that if it was as easy to have a greeting card company as I thought, why didn't everybody do it? So I put all the cards in a closet for five months and decided I had made a mistake. <laughs> then I decided I was going to have to get out there and I took my cards to a Hallmark store and begged for them to put them in the in their lineup in the summer, which is the slowest time for greeting card sales. And they did okay. They sold. So I took what little money I made, little bit by little bit, and had a couple more cards printed, but I had them printed in black and white. So Life Size is an example. Oh, I changed the name to Life Size when I didn't like Sparky anymore because there was a transmission company called Sparky. And I thought, I'm not having my cards named after a transmission company. <laughs> so I named, I used the word Life Size, which I had wanted to use years ago when I was a columnist for the Daily California, a little local newspaper in El Cajon. So uh, Life Size built on itself bit by bit by bit by bit over what is now 35 years. That's my background. And you were drawing for the schools, weren't you, for fundraisers or for gifts or something? I think I recall you were doing that when we were younger at the school. Yeah, I used to do a newsletter, and I used to put little sketches around the perimeter of the newsletter. And then I'd also put little sayings around. And then when I heard from moms pre predominantly, but dads sometimes too, that they looked forward to reading the newsletter because they liked the little bit of art and the the words I wrote. So I sort of had a, I knew going in that I could do something worthwhile that people would like. It was just a matter of trying to find out how I would get a product or a card from San Diego, California to anywhere else in the country. That was the biggest challenge to me. I'm sure it was pretty daunting. And, and then you mentioned that you were having the cards printed in black and white. And I feel like I remember helping to color yes. the cards with a color, with colored pencils. So, I mean, that must've been like, Oh, how many can I do? I, every, everyone related to me colored cards. And 
I remember your your younger brother, he was coloring, he had the assignment to color like a hundred cards, the, these blue tennis shoes. And they're tiny, as you know, the art is very mm-hmm. small. Very small. So he, he was complaining about it. Well, he wasn't complaining, but he wasn't happy about it. And I said, this is why you have to go to college because you don't want to grow <laughs> up and do this for a living. And since I didn't go to college, and I always kind of wished I had, I thought it will it gave him an onus to go to school. But I loved what I was doing, even though for me it was somewhat it was a little tedious, but it was the only way I could keep the cards colored and keep them out for people to want to buy because a black and white card would never have sold. No. So as I sold a few more, then I was able to finally do a, a print in color. And that kind of changed everything. How many years do you think it was before you were able to do that? Or was it months? Seems like it was a long time. I think it was probably about five years. Okay. Yeah. That's I a long time. It is. Because I, I used it. I found places online, or not online, but in the phone book, where I could go get buy, uh, watercolor pens in bulk. And I'd use them till the tips were smashed and dry. And I just remember thinking, there has to be a better way to do this. And the first three printers I print shops I went to uh, were very uncooperative. And one of my takeaways from owning this business is that a lot of times you think you, you would know intuitively that people who are already in the same field would, t- would help you, but they don't necessarily. So you could ask them a question. And I, as I did, I would call people and say, how do, how do you get your cards printed? And they would say, well, nobody told us. So you're kind of on your own. So I determined at the beginning that once I found out how to do a particular thing, I would never not share that information because I didn't invent it. It was something that was out there and I needed help. So I always, I spent a lot of time over these years talking to other people who wanted to do greeting card companies on steps that they could take that would make my discovery useful to them. That was nice of you. And that's, People are that way a lot more now, I think, with social media. Like, they'll have forums where people can come and talk. But a lot of people charge for that service. That You know, I made all these mistakes. Now, for a small fee, I can Correct. help you bypass that. That's nice of you. Well, it's sort of. I figure if you don't, if you don't be nice in your life, you're going to have a sorry end of your life. So I, I prefer to just be, to be kind, and I expect kindness from others. And if I don't get it, then I just say thanks. I'll never do that again. Then I just keep on moving. Mm, that's a good attitude. Thanks. Yeah. So you come from, I mean, would you say you come from an entrepreneurial background or do you think you, you started it? Because I know I got it from you. Um, no, well, I think that, um, you know, my, my mother, your grandmother was a, was a stay at home housewife, loved her life. Your grandfather, my father was, a he, even though he worked in a corporate structure, he was very entrepreneurial. He, mm-hmm. he, he, kind of he he was very innovative in what he did within the structure of a, of a of a big business in the grocery industry he figured out that someday discount marketing discount shopping was going to be the wave of the future and he ended up ultimately kind of losing his job with the supermarket that he was with because he said nobody is going to start going to a discount store and so mm-hmm. like a big box store which of course yeah yeah they crazy ended up, they, ended crazy up, they ended up doing but so I just think in terms of, of you know, making your own way, f- finding what sings to you and going after that is, is an, 
is a really important aspect in life because it makes you, even if you don't make a ton of money, if it brings you joy, then you're one of the richest people you know. Hmm. Yeah, that's the truth. You are old enough to be retired, should you wish to, officially, according to Social Security. Yes, I am. And you have not retired. You're still doing what you've been doing for a few decades. Yeah. Why, why is that? Well, the number one reason, well, actually not the number one reason. The number one reason would be that I will probably never retire because I love what I do and I fundamentally work seven days a week at it. And I'm kind of disappointed if I have a day where I don't go into where I work now that I work from home instead of a store. Uh, I love what I do. I couldn't afford to retire is probably sort of where life led me that I, I depend on my uh, I depend on what I do in addition to social security. And when you're 73, that's how many laps around the sun I've made. Uh, people around you tend to be retired, but it's just not something that would, I don't know what on earth I would ever do. I, I love what I do too much to retire. I think that's great. I, I figured out there's basically two type of retirement people. There's people who want to reinvent themselves completely. They're done doing whatever they've been doing. And then there's people who want to continue doing what they've been doing because they love it or it's theirs. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly, exactly. Kind of your category there. And I guess there's a third. They just want to rest. Yeah, I don't have I don't have any desire to to rest. I figure I could go to sleep at night and rest. But like today, I had a woman who called me to place a small order, and so I was kind of in a hurry, and I was about to say I got to go, and but I could sense that she wasn't really ready to hang up from the call. So she sort of paused and I said, how's everything going? And then she wanted to tell me about her sister who has Alzheimer's and is not in very good shape. And so I listened to her for probably 20 minutes. We talked about her sister. We talked about being sisters. We talked about family and about how much we love the people that we, and we miss now. And I feel like that to me is ultimately, that's the pay that I actually work for is that Mm -hmm. connection with people that I'll never meet in person, but I meet them because of what I, my little offering in the world, little greeting cards, somehow it resonates with some people more than others. And that's the connection I make. And so it's like, oftentimes I feel like I have friends all over the country that I've not met, but I know if I called them and said, Hey, I'm coming to Detroit. Could I pop in and say hello or Ashtabula, Ohio? They'd say, yeah, come and see me because we, you just, you make that. And that's kind of a, that's a priceless perk of, I think, spending the majority of your time at work not really working. Mm, doing what you love. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, let's let's make it a little clearer what kind of cards you do so people can understand why you're making these connections with people because they're not blank cards. No, they're not. They're not blank cards. They're they're um, they're birthday cards and anniversary cards and get well cards and sympathy cards and. Um, the art on my card, those cards are smaller than the average greeting card. They're what is called an A2 size in the industry. They're um, very small on words and small on art. And as I said I, before, I never considered myself a very good artist. I don't consider myself an artist at all, but I consider myself a writer who draws. And so what I put as an illustration on a card is what I 
put to wed itself with the words. And I, I used to think of it kind of in a sense of distilling a huge pot of soup down to just the very essence of the best of it. Mm. So I used to write sometimes even a paragraph and then just keep cutting it down and whittling it and rearranging it to come up with the, with the essence of what I wanted to say so that the cards that I write people feel because they know it already. So it's not like my version of a birthday card or a get well card or an anniversary card. It's, it's what people already feel and it speaks to them as something that they have thought. For instance, I have a card that has a, a little drawing of two kind of humanized rabbits hugging each other, both wearing sleepers. One's much taller than the other. And it's uh, and you can tell that they're in a really firm embrace, like what we can't do now during the COVID area. And it says, this is the way the heart speaks when there are no words to say. Mm. And I designed that card for a friend who had a friend who had lost his daughter to uh, complications from Down syndrome. And she said to me, I don't know what to say to him because they were coworkers. And I said, well, let me just, I'll make you a card. I'll make you a card. So I said, you don't ever have to say anything. It's Mm -hmm. you have to be in the presence of those people because people who are hurting and grieving don't want to be isolated. So it turns out now that's card style number Joyce, named after the young woman that died. That's one of my best-selling cards because that's Mm -hmm. how people feel already. I didn't invent that. I just extrapolated it from our human experience and I think that's why Life Size Cards has sold so consistently for so many years. Yeah, your words are true. They're, yes. They're just, they are simple truths, but they are so important and they resonate with everybody. My One of my favorite cards to give away is a a thank you card. And it, I, I hope I'm not messing this up, but it's the greatest gift I receive is a gift for, of yourself or something like that. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? It has a little box on the cover. The great Something about the greatest gift is you oh that's a I, I don't even know if that card's in print anymore but oh my well I have a stack of them so I'm yeah okay. no and I and I think that's the thing because people a lot of times I, I used to have a card that is no longer in print but it was a pair of saddle shoes like old-fashioned saddle shoes and it had confetti all around the the bottom of them and it said happy anniversary to a classic pair mm-hmm. and one woman called me one time and she said I just wanted to tell you how much I like this card she says, because my parents have been married for 50 years and they don't like each other and nobody really likes them either. But I had to give them an anniversary card. So she said, they are a classic pair. So she said, <laughs> I was able to wish happy anniversary without getting all gushy and saying things that I knew weren't true about. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess some of your cards you could turn that way. I mean, if, if I say the greatest gift I've received is a gift of yourself, it could be my way of saying that that uh, gift you gave me is pretty bad. It's true. <laughs> the gift of you being you was excellent. So Yes. Well, like the, the birthday card I designed, I believe when you turned 21, it has a little, like a little cookie sheet and a mixing bowl and a car and a bottle of milk and some eggs and a spoon. And it says happy birthday to the very best thing I ever made. And that card still just sells and sells. I will get the occasional person that will say, but I have three kids so I can't send that to Bobby. I said, well, you don't have to tell Sally and Mary <laughs> that you sent them that card too. I said, unless they c- compare and live in the same household, you're home free. <laughs> it's true. Your cards are, um, they're very 
intense in terms of there's so much love that you are expressing in each card. Like you can feel like when you wrote it, you seem like you were thinking of somebody that you really loved when you wrote that card. And so for the gift giver, that's going to be an extra special card as opposed to, you know, happy birthday to my son and, and, and a poem that you, doesn't even mean anything to you. But but yours are just a very intentional, I really love you a lot message that comes through in your Thank cards. Thank you. Thank you. And that's what, I, that's what I've always endeavored to do is make a card. I used to tell people I, I would never make a card I wouldn't send mm. because there, and there are a lot of sarcastic cards and, and I could be an extremely sarcastic person, but not in my work. Never, never in my work, because I think that when somebody takes the time to buy a card and sign it and spend the money for a stamp, they're doing it for a reason. And so what you want to do is respect the process that they've gone through to go buy something and look over. And there's a thousand cards to look for and look through. And I like respecting the, the buyer of the product. I think that's nice. And you've built up a tribe. That's kind of a buzzword nowadays is tribe. But you have a lot of people who follow you and have followed you for a long, long time. I do. I do. It's a so, gift. It's really, and it's a blessing. I never, I never ever take it for granted. I think one of the most meaningful conversations I ever had with a customer that I never met, she called me to tell me that her son had gone to college and had committed suicide shortly after getting there. And in the uh, the service that they had for him, the minister mentioned to her that she said, he said, your son is like a star. He still shines. Mm. So someone had sent her a Christmas card of mine that said, God knew they couldn't afford announcements, so he lent them a star. Oh, gosh. And so she said, I wasn't going to send Christmas cards this year. But then I, someone sent me that card, and I decided that that's what I wanted to send in honor of him. His name is Michael. Mm-hmm. So what was nice about that experience was that I was able to, she belonged apparently to a group, sadly, a group of people whose kids had, had died from suicide. And I sent her a big care package of other cards that I felt could be appropriate for all of them to use in their lives because, you know, such an unspeakably sad event and they could have something that at least would express some kind of not camaraderie necessarily, but connection. And Mm. in the world in which we live, particularly today, being connected is the key. Oh, you're right now. It's so important, but it always isn't a case like that. I mean, that's, that's so sad. It gives me goosebumps that, Mm-hmm. That all those connections were made to her to bring her some peace. Right. That would be a good word, but that's that's really sweet. That's nice. That was very nice of you. I know you're always very generous with well, people. Well, I'd like to give, if I could, I would just give away everything I make. <laughs> it's all free. I'm like seized candy when people order from me. They don't just go with what they bought. They have a little bag of something extra. That's nice. I always like it when companies do that and you buy something and they throw in a little extra. It makes you a very loyal customer for sure. Yes, I love to do that. Yeah, that's fun. Um, so you also have these daily thoughts you do. How long have you been doing those? And can you tell us a little bit more about those? I have been writing a daily thought from an e- it's an email subscription thing that people can do. It's free. I send them five days a week. I've been doing them in this format since I think about 2011. 
I, prior to that, I had for several years, maybe five years, I had an actual little paper tear off calendar that people could use, but then mm-hmm. sort of the bottom fell out of that market. And, and I was not able to do that. And people complained to me. So I thought, well, I'll do it instead of having an actual picture. I'll just write something that involves the concept of picturing what I would have drawn had I been able to. And it's based loosely on the book I wrote called If God Used Sticky Notes, which is just a book about if God did use sticky notes and had a message of encouragement for you, where would you want to see it today and what would it need to say? So I send that daily thought out. I send it out five days a week. And then the Fridays one is covers Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And that's been a really that's been a really astounding thing too, because so many people, if something happens and it, go, and it goes haywire and they don't get it for some reason or other, um, they'll write or call and want to know where it was. Am I okay? And I recently referenced the, the, my mother's, my late mother's grandmother's birthday. And I got so many responses from people. So it's, mm. just a, it's another way of having a comp, sharing a common thought about how how could today be a little better for you? What if you just got some little note? And and the reason I came up with the idea in the first place was when I was having a very bad day back in the late 80s. I was driving down a street, a big busy boulevard, and a piece of paper came floating down in front of my car. And I, I was about to make a big decision and I thought, gosh, what if wouldn't it be so great if if that was like a letter from God saying, hey, Chris, here's what you should do today and I'll help you through this. And I thought, would that be the best thing ever? So then I wrote the book, If God Used Sticky Notes. And um, and that was basically the gist of it. So that's the format of the daily thought now is if, if, if God used sticky notes in some place, some picture sticky note from God on a tambourine, let's say. And um, I love doing that. I, I write them usually a couple days before they're published and it kind of remains now it's my favorite work to do because Mm -hmm. I know how many people I don't, I have maybe 1500 subscribers, but I like it that, that when it resonates with people, they'll let me know. And it, and it's interesting because sometimes people like them, sometimes people don't, but I like, because I love to write and I, I love that. That's one of my fondest pastimes. That's really neat. Do you, where do you get your inspiration from? Is it, do you sit at your desk and think, oh my gosh, I got to come up with something. I have writer's block or how, how do you get your ideas for the day? They, they just, they just pretty much pop into my head, especially kind of just looking around and paying attention to what, to what's going on around you. Um, it's very easy because life is full to the brim of inspiration and beauty and wonder. And so it doesn't really, I I never have trouble coming up with ideas. I don't like, I don't ever have writer's block. I can, not everything I do is great, obviously, but sometimes when I'll write something, I'll think this would be a really good thing for a daily thought. And I always think about, because and it's based on a scripture from the Bible. And I always think about, there is a scripture in the Bible somewhere where Jesus knelt down to draw on the sand and everybody was captivated by what he was doing. And I always thought that kind of simple expression of sitting down and scratching something in the sand made people stop and pay attention. And so to me, I feel like sometimes what I'm doing, not equating myself to Jesus, obviously, is is putting something in the sand that's common that people go, oh, I know that. I felt that. That that's that's for me. 
And that's what I like about doing. That's my, like I say, it's my favorite pastime, really. Do you see yourself as a messenger or a teacher or both or neither? I no. I, I see myself as a, as a good listener. I see myself as a person who listens and then writes down what I hear. And then um, people, I feel like if I've heard it and I need to hear it, then somebody else does too. So I'm a, a good transcriber. That's what I think of myself okay. as a transcriber. Okay. I like that. <laughs> um, so the holidays are coming and I'll be soon getting out all of my nativity figurines that were also yours. And you also had a lot of figurines. I don't suppose they're available anymore. Are they? But no, they're no. super cute. I, I love them. I love doing those, but I think that, and the thing that's sort of the thing about the, the retail industry is is a very fickle industry. And so you could have something out for several years and people like it. And, but then somebody comes along and says, yeah, you know, we've been doing this. Let's change it to something else. So I don't believe I'm not positive, but I don't think anything I've done in figuring form or the nativities, which I adored, I don't think those are in production anymore. Maybe in the future. It was always neat to walk in a store and see them. Oh, that's my mom's. Yeah, that was always that was that was fun. That was fun for me to do too. But I know that when they changed up the last version of the nativity, it it was just not the it wasn't the brightest idea that they had. And I just remember thinking, you know, it was so good before. I don't know. It'd be like if you had your favorite bread and somebody said, "You don't be good as sesame seeds on this." I don't really like sesame seeds. I liked it the way it was. But, well, no, we should put sesame seeds and peppercorns in it. And then you said, well, okay, I'm done. Take my name off that bread. Yeah, exactly. It's not bread anymore. It's not. Yeah. It's a meal. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so you don't worry about running out of ideas. because Never. All right. That's good. Um how many books have you done? I have a huge stack in my bookshelf and they're all colorful. That's what I like about them. They're all very pretty. They're, they are cute books. I, th- I think I've probably done somewhere between 15 and maybe 15 and 20. I don't know. And then a lot, some of them went into translation to other languages too, but I would say from the, from, from the original print of most of maybe 15 or 20. And I have some that are my favorites, but um, like in, in that regard too, with publishing, they publish and then they think, well, unless you're a famous person, in which case they'll keep your books in print forever. So uh, you have the experience where they'll remainder your book and they send you an art letter saying your publisher, they've remaindered your book and you want to buy them for five cents on the dollar and you think, well, that's Aww. not, that's not smart. But anyway, um, but I have my books and I, I, I love what I, I've, I've loved them all and, and it's been, it's thrilling to see them and it's just nice to be able to share. That's what I like about it. Yeah. It doesn't You're, make you rich. It doesn't make you rich. It just, it's just fun to be able to think that somebody somewhere is maybe reading something that I put down on paper. That's really neat. Your dog book is probably one of my favorites that you've done. Uh, oh, dog. Yeah. I, and I know a lot of people that book is, such a powerful thing for them to receive after they've lost a dog. It's a good book. It's called Dogs Don't Die, Dogs Stay. And I wrote it after I lost my um, my beloved Newfoundland named Ben. And I was astounded at how bereft I was. And I thought, well, I'm going to 
I'll get over this quickly, but I wasn't. So I went online and I looked at different things you could read and none of them, I didn't, I don't like the rainbow bridge because Ben went to a dog park one time and was so afraid of all the other dogs. He just stood behind me. So I could picture him with the rainbow bridge standing at the foot of the rainbow. Like how many years till she's going to get here. So I find the rainbow bridge book kind of makes me sad okay. uh, or poem, I guess on a book. So I was going to write a book. I sat at my laptop for a couple of days because I, I just couldn't find anything to read. And I thought I need to be comforted somehow. So it was a funny experience because I was writing this horrible, horrible book. And it was almost like the spirit of my dog, Ben, came up behind me and said, get out of the way. Write this down. Because it was what I had written was just, I mean, it would have just made you want to commit suicide. It was so terrible. <laughs> and so I'll join you now. Um, so I I wrote the book about the, the, the principles of a dog and the fundamentals of what a dog is, which is something that comes to find you, you find him, he finds you, they stay, it's the nature of a dog is to stay, they're faithful, they're loyal, they're love, they're, why are they going to ever really leave you? You may not be able to pet them now, but it doesn't mean that they go. So my the principle of the book, according as dictated by Ben, was that they leave, sort of, and then they look around and they find you another dog. And I have one picture of a dog looking through a file cabinet, like, who am I going to pick for her? And um, it has been my experience that everybody who has gotten that book <clears throat> has um, had it come true. A lot of people at first <clears throat> don't like it. They think it, it makes them, um, they, they say, I'm never going to find another dog. I said, well, you may not ever find another dog, but another dog will find you. And that's mm -hmm. what happens. Yeah, I find most people don't really want to wait too long before they find another dog. But I had a friend and either I got her a copy of your book or she got it or you sent it, I don't know, but she was adamant she didn't want another dog. She was decided it'd be better to enjoy her freedom to come and go, and she was fine, and nobody ever could replace that dog. It took her about two years, but finally, she was fostering a dog, and this dog was not going to be sent back out again. So he lives with her now and, and he's just a wonderful dog. It's Yeah, that's what they that's what they that's what they do. In, in my case, when I found when my dogs that I currently have Sky another Newfoundland, I felt that Ben sent the rowdiest, rudest, most energetic Newfoundland that was ever on the earth. So, so I wouldn't think that he was just like Ben because he was a trial. But um, yeah, I just think that, and dogs are such a special component of life. And uh, I love that book. And it just got reprinted as a paperback and it's sweeter as a paperback book than it was as a hardcover. Just the overall feel of it is much sweeter. Okay. Oh, that's nice. I think it's a great book. And I, I have a friend who's a, a spiritual medium or a psychic. And I know she was doing a reading sometime on a woman. And the dog came in. And the dog had passed away. But the dog came in and was filling, nice. filling her in on all the details of what was really going on in that house and why there were the problems that there were. And, and the woman was able to confirm that, yes, the dog was right. So they don't leave. They're right there. I think that's no, cool they don't. that they you don't. captured that. Yeah. And why yeah I, was, I was very happy. I was very happy to do it. I had a friend who gave a copy of the book to a guy that she worked with. He had lost a, a great Dane and she had been his rock through his life. And then, so this woman gave him my book and he, he didn't throw it at her exactly, but he said, I'm never going to read this. 
And she said, well, just do me a favor, just keep it. And so about maybe five months later, he came in and he said to her, you're never going to guess who Lily found for me. So he had gotten a new, he had found a, he, some, another dog had found him. Oh, that's nice. And I like it. It's, it's one of my most satisfying things I've ever done. Yeah. It's, I think it's a very healing book. So I think so too. It's a beautiful product. Yeah. Do you have any advice for somebody who would be heading into retirement and is thinking of doing something with their art that they've done? Like they, maybe they haven't done it their whole lives like you, but they're thinking about it. Well, I have a couple of, of uh, neighbors who retired. They both got into doing things with art that they had never had the time to do, and they loved it. I think that art sustains you and, and fills your soul and gives you um, a different window on the world. I don't know that it would be advisable to ever think, oh, I could make a lot of money doing this because that would never really be a very particular, that wouldn't be a particularly good motive. But I think if you have the time now where you don't have to get up and go to work and you have the time to exercise that part of your brain that sees something in a particularly different way, or it captures beauty that you hadn't really taken the time to notice before. I think it's a, it's, it's something that everyone should try to do because even people who think that they can't draw, I being one of them, I think that you're, people are surprised at what they actually can can achieve, especially when you have the time and the leisure to be able to pursue it. And you can draw. You're always saying that, and you can draw. And well, your style is just... It's, well, it's very pedestrian looking, though. I can't draw. It's like when I was little, I used to love to draw horses. And I was just a terrible horse drawer. And my best friend could draw horses that just looked like they would gallop right off the page. And I would try and try and try. And I had a teacher who said, you know, maybe drawing isn't really your thing. (laughs) Thank you very much. But so, I mean, I I accomplish what I want to do with my art. And I love the way everything comes out. But there are some people who just are yourself particularly are gifted, gifted at what they can put on a page. And I think people love to do it, too. It makes you happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's all kinds of artists. Oh, true. You know, you can look at some famous painters and you think, you know, I could do that. It drives my brother crazy if I ever say that when we're at a modern art museum. And I look at it and go, I could do that. And he gets upset. But yes. there's, there's people who can do it, but it doesn't matter. It's the, it's the whole feeling and the effect that's conveyed, conveyed in the piece yes. that is so meaningful. Right. And people love your little characters. And they are little. They are little. little everything's so. everything's very, and I draw the size that it's printed. So it's not like I draw it big and have it reduced. It's tiny, oh. tiny art. Okay. It's tiny to art. begin with. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, I just want you to know I admire you and the way that you're living out what would be your retirement years, but you're, I don't mean living out like time's <laughs> running out. I don't, I don't mean that. The Daisy Hill puppy farm. <laughs> yes. No, she's doing fine living out her years in the past. Year. Oh, no, I don't mean that. I just mean that, you know, you're, you haven't stopped doing what you love and you're still doing it and you are a spiritual person and you keep that very predominant part of your life. You are connected to so many people, your family and your friends, and then people from your business that you've met all over the country and probably other people on other side of the planet as well. And uh, you're a very social person and I know you like to entertain, which you can't do right now, but 
you're you're just doing a lot and you're a very intellectual person too you're always learning and so you're just i think you're doing an amazing job thank you very much you're my favorite i'm your favorite <laughs> yeah. yay thank you everybody heard that <laughs> for paul and mikey oh well <laughs> yeah all right. Well, thank you for your time it today. It was, it, was, here. it was very fun. I love to, I love talking about what I do. It's very, it always, it's kind of like, it gives you a, a kind of a, a fresh view of, of what it is that you do when you take the time to describe it to somebody. You don't take, I never take it for granted, but it's kind of nice to, to um, be particular about aspects of what you do for a living and what you would do for free. And I have, it was lovely. I so enjoyed myself. Oh, thank you. So everybody, this has been Chris Shea. She is my mother, my very talented mother. And I'll have her contact information in the show notes so that you can look her up and go see what she does. So thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Pivot and Thrive. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you know anybody who you think would be a great subject for this podcast, please have them contact me. They can go to my website, retirementpurposecoach.com. And at the bottom of that front page, there is a contact section and they can just reach me right there. I'd love to hear from them. I am a certified retirement coach, so if you need any help from me with your retirement so that you have your own success story, you can contact me there as well. I'd like to thank Bokuwa and Wizzy2K for the use of their song, Will You Stay With Me? I have the link to that song in the show notes. Have an excellent rest of your day, whatever it is that you're doing. I hope it's purposeful. You'll enjoy your life so much better if that's your focus. Bye for now. Because of you, 